Welcome to the Genealogy Happy Hour, a place where new family historians can learn to document their family histories and celebrate their new discoveries. I'm Amy. And I'm Penny. And we're here to help you discover your family tree from the beginning. Welcome to episode 78. In this episode, we are going to talk about land records. And we're calling it Land Ho. Land Ho. You're Even though it. I'm not on a ship. <laughs> Which, ideally, that would be a great title for ship blog records. But we're not doing that. We're doing land records. Okay. Um, but before we, before we get into the exciting topic of land records, Amy's already yawning. Um, do we have wine, Amy? Oh, of course we have wine. Of course we do. So uh, just over this past weekend, I ran into this lovely, affordable white burgundy uh, by uh, from Pierre Ponel. It's Macon Villages in um, southern Burgundy, and it is a full-bodied, complex, floral and citrusy white burgundy. Mm. I found it in the grocery store, and it just hit the spot this weekend. A white burgundy. It's a white burgundy. I love white burgundies, and they're not always affordable. So That sounds really yummy. It does. It was. It was great. So that's our wine for today. Uh, But before we get into land records, let's talk about newspapers.com. Today's episode is sponsored by newspapers.com. Break down genealogy brick walls with a subscription to the largest online newspaper archive. Did your ancestor disappear from vital records? Maybe they moved or got married. Newspapers.com can help you find them and tell their story. Or have you ever had trouble figuring out how people tie into your family tree? Newspapers are filled with birth notices, marriage announcements, and obituaries. Items like these are a great resource for determining family relationships. On newspapers.com, you can explore more than 800 million newspaper pages from across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and beyond in just seconds. Their easy-to-use search feature lets you filter your results by date, location, a specific paper, and more. When you find something interesting, the newspapers.com clipping tool makes it a snap to share it with friends and family. You can even save it directly to your ancestry tree. For listeners of this podcast, newspapers.com is offering new subscribers 20% off a Publisher Extra subscription so you can start exploring today. Just use the code HAPPYHOUR at checkout. Or in a timely fashion, so you might have sold some land, but you didn't have to record it right away, I guess just whenever you wanted to. Um, And they're found at the county courthouse um, level, and some have been digitized, but not all. Some have been indexed, and not all, as I know from past experience. Um, Land records can be one of the best sources of information, and also one of the most overlooked. And they can also be some of the hardest to um, understand due to the script that it's written in. So these are the clerks writing this out. And you know, I, would, I know how my handwriting gets you know, after a few pages of, uh, of writing. So, and again, this is also a good case of doing a transcription, you know, where you take it so you don't have to keep going back and forth oh, in the document yes. saying, did I read that? What, what did that say? You know, you, you're transcribing it. Um, but 
and you can learn a lot of things. They're filled with a lot of valuable information. Family names, economic status, literacy. Did your ancestor sign the document? Um, a lot of times they did not sign a document because this is the clerk writing this all down. You'll notice that the handwriting in the actual document is the same as the signatures and that would be because the clerk is doing it. If you're lucky you might get a deed that you actually do see is signed by the individual, individual. Right, the right people mm -hmm, right. mm -hmm. or they'll use an X. Right. And that's, that happened to me. I think we talked about it in a, in a previous podcast where I thought I had found a new patriot for the Daughters of the American Revolution. My ancestor, George Shaver, had fought. He was given a, um, a bounty, um, some land for his service, and um, I was so excited. And then I started researching a little bit more and I realized that the person, the George Shaver who got the bounty land always signed his name with an X. My George Shaver signed with a very distinctive um, handwriting. And so that sort of blew my my patriot or my, my link to the, the uh, revolution through that Shaver line out of, out of the water. Um, and come to find out, I think my Shaver, I mean, he was an immigrant. He was born in Germany, but um, you know, I thought maybe he he was the same guy because they lived yeah. in the same area. Um, they were at the same age, same time period. But yeah, the handwriting was the, the handwriting one, one, was, <laughs> one, was, one was not literate and uh, that land record did not help me. It yes. eliminated, at least eliminated some yes, things for me. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so there's so many types of deeds too. There's mortgages, deed of trust, mm -hmm. partition, quit claims. Um, but I think for most people, uh, beginning genealogists or family historians just starting out, uh, sticking with the land records and land grants, which we will talk about in a few minutes, is best. Uh, if you're ready for the deep dive, then be prepared. Um, you're going to think about leases, patents, personal property, plats and surveys, tax lists. There's so much out there. And when you think of the genealogical question, have you done reasonably exhaustive research then you can see where you might not have done that if you have found nothing in land deeds, that mm -hmm. there is so True. much more True. out there to, to go into. But there could be something in amongst those other documents if you don't find what you want in the land deeds. Um, in a previous podcast, I found the sale of a land for an ancestor who was moving to another state where I had to search record by record because there was no index um, in the land deeds. And... Um, I did find what I was looking for. But what if you have a will and the land is to be shared equally amongst children and the, and the wife, but the kids are young, so they're not named in the will. It's just the wife and, you know, my children. Like, they're not specifically named. So annoying, named, isn't right? it? Why do these people do that? Um, but they might be mentioned in the sale of property if they have reached the age of majority after being an heir. Correct. Absolutely. So so that's why you have to keep looking for them, not just at the time that maybe the person died. You know, if, if the estate was being probated, that land might not be transferred for a generation even. So I didn't even look in that one. And since then, she's gone back because they have now imaged it somewhere. Um, and she goes like every evening and she'll do like, you know... 20 or 50 sure. pages or whatever, but we were able to find in that deed book where um, the father had died, the children were, were of, um, most of them were 
of um, of age, but they were dividing up the property, and he owned several properties, and so they recorded each one of those properties and which child it was going to, and it mentioned that um, you know from the estate of to the heir so and so, and each one listed the child by name. So we were able to use that then to um, prove the kinship relationship because we didn't have a death record for some of them, a birth record. There were no birth records, so. That was the only that probate was the only way that we were, could prove the kinship and through those deeds. Through the deeds, mm-hmm. yeah, that's fantastic that you yep. could find that. But again, like you know, like we've said, you sometimes have to physically go to the courthouse. At that time, you had to physically go to the courthouse, correct? But you may still because there, a lot of them are not digitized, right? And uh, you know, I was just looking today actually for some in West Virginia, and hard pass. I'm gonna have to physically right, go right if i want to uh look at for the for the location that i want to yeah, definitely and it's definitely worth going to like familysearch.org and going through the card catalog and then putting mm-hmm. in the county the state and then the county and then mm-hmm. see what they have and see what deeds land records they have already digitized there because yes. sometimes they're harder to find if you're just searching by name or you're you know you they may not be indexed in familysearch.org but they may have yeah. an index in the um in the microfilm that's been di- that's been mm-hmm. Uh, digitized, mm-hmm. so you just have to use the book index mm-hmm. to go and find and the I, family. There. Right, and on Family Search too, I like to just go to images and see what. Yes. Yeah. Yep. All, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just. Yep. Okay. Let's get back to it. So we have land, right. land grants and patents. Okay. Issued by the government. Bureau of Land Management, specifically Mm -hmm. the General Land Office Records. You have several options here. You have land patents, survey plats and field notes, land status records, track books, and land catalog. Um, there, this is such a great site for research, and you could spend quite a lot of time here plugging in your ancestors' names and finding documents, and then, um, then you can see it on the map. Um, if you want to search a place, you can also cho- uh, choose survey plats and field notes and then click on the second bar when you get to that next page, which it says search documents by location and see what mat- what plat maps are available for that area. But plat maps and historical maps, that's, a, that's another podcast. We're not, not getting into that today. <laughs> but when I did this um, research, I found two land patents one for frederick freitag for 80 acres of land in ohio on june 1st in 1852 and that one was signed by millard fillmore and then i haven't found another one for peter stimmel from april 1820 also in ohio for 80 acres it says specifically signed by james monroe so i thought that was pretty cool those are the only two i could find in um, people that I knew had come to Ohio mm-hmm. or, you know, what all the states that I was looking at. So that was, that was pretty good. Um, other places that have land records, uh, the Freedmen's Bureau has land records, and those have been mostly digitized and indexed on family search, created in 1865 to help with the newly freed enslaved people. Wealth of records online at family search, and I will include that link on the website. And then Bounty Land Warrants, a United States granted Bounty Land Warrants from 1775 to 1855 for military service to encourage volunteer enlistments. 
and to reward veterans for their service during the Revolutionary War, War of 1812, and other military actions during the 1850s. You know, my one of my um, ancestors, I think he's my third great-grandfather, he got a land grant in Texas because he was from Pennsylvania, and he was a teenage, older teenager, 18, 19 years old. He went down to Texas and fought for the Republic of Texas, and he was given, um, I guess they gave them like a square mile of land if they fought and they stayed enlisted for long enough. And he actually got the, he got the land grant, um, but he never lived there. He sold it. He, he, they had agents that would then, they would just sell the land and then they'd pocket the money. And then he went back up and he bought um, land in, and he ended up settling in, in um, North, uh, Northeastern uh, Indiana. Very so, cool. Yeah, but it, it's all online, too. The um, The grants are all online mm-hmm. um, through the Texas archives. Yeah, okay. And so bounty land warrant files um, can contain supporting documents as well, statements, right. mm-hmm. uh, witnesses, signatures of witnesses, you know, um, and they're at the National Archives. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the National Archives, this, um, this month... Is they're doing a public service military and civilian webinar series, which y'all can mm. look into. They're free. Um, I'll put a link to their site. Free, no registration, videos and presentation materials. Um, if you're doing it live, I think there's chat in real time with the presenters. Um, they do one on civilians at war, records of participation in U.S. military conflicts, They have basic military records at the National Archives. That would probably be a good one if you are just trying to figure out how to use the National Archives and get those military records. Um, National Archives at St. Louis, understanding the 1973 fire and the impact on genealogical research. They have one on Civilian Conservation Corps, Indian Division at the reservation. Accessing and understanding the Korean War Army records. And then planning techniques and strategies for preserving family collection and stories. Um, That last one is June 14th. So those are some good places to go. So check out the National Archives for sure, the Bureau of Land Management, um, and your county Right. County, <laughs> right. State county courthouse records. Yeah. There was um, another, I used um, the deed records for um, another case, again, to prove um, parent-child relationships and where uh, I think the mother had died and the father was filing, um, he ended up having to file um, a affidavit in the deed records to um, clarify that some of the children's names had been spelled wrong initially and wanting to rectify that situation because for probate purposes and for selling the land. And so it was great because he did this affidavit. It was it was filed within the deeds and it gave all of the children's names, their dates of birth, where they were born, when he got married, who his wife was. It was just, it was wonderful. And these were people who, he was, I think he was born in the 1840s. And so the kids were born in the 1870s, 1880s. So there would not be no birth records for them here in Florida. And so that was a great, 
you know, I had everybody's birth dates now. I had everybody's, uh, yeah. you know, where they were born. And- so you're looking, you're using that, or you've mm-hmm. had a couple instances of using that mm-hmm. for a relationship, kinship Correct. for right. people. And, and putting, then, right, and putting the whole family then yeah. together. So. And mine, obviously in the last one I did um, with the transcription and using the will, movement of families and I also had that in proving my aunts mm-hmm. and Preston being the son of Jacob Preston by the whole family his right. brothers himself and his father moving mm-hmm. from town to town mm-hmm. um, selling properties to each other and then right. as they moved and migrated west you know how that that helped me prove that yes they were Right. One family um, right. with the relations. You see the same people mm-hmm. moving and doing business <clears throat> land records, but mm-hmm. you know, selling it, selling and buying land back and forth and then continuing to move yeah. and migrate. So, yeah. Yeah. So much good stuff in land records. Really um, underused, I think. Underused. Um, I do have... Um, another book I was uh (laughs) I love reading genealogical mysteries you know we love Nathan Dylan Goodwin series I think he's got another um Morton Farrier coming out I think so cannot wait um hope we get to read that as soon as it comes out but online if y'all like reading um genealogical crime mysteries or I don't know how you know forensic mysteries there's a there's a group I'm, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on here before on Facebook uh, genealogical crime mystery you plug that in in your search you'll find it but one of the um, authors or a series that a lot of people were reading and I hadn't read yet is by MJ Lee L-E-E and it's the Jane Sinclair um, genealogic genealogic genealogist I can't even Can talk say it? can't say it can't um detective kind of thing and the the very first one I've read a couple in this series now the first one is the Irish inheritance and I like his books because they're they give a lot of history kind of like some of the early um Morton Farrier ones or not even yeah Morton Farrier's where mm-hmm. you go the back and forth right. between right. um you know, the, the past, historical the, part right. and yeah <laughs> so that's good and this this one um has to do with uh, a group in Ireland and the war, the conflict in Ireland, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, what happens is she is um, asked by an American billionaire to find her, his father, yeah. like who is his actual mm-hmm. father, and all she has is a photocopied birth certificate, a book with an inscription in it with initials, mm-hmm. and an old photograph. Mm-hmm. So she uses those three things right. to right. trace back history. Meanwhile, you're seeing the whole story, you know, um, when they go back the in time. And, when they the go back in time of who the father, right? You know, yeah. Oh, cool. So it's um, it it was good. It was yeah. really good. I'm looking forward to read a couple couple more in that series. He's got quite a few out. So good. And what's the series name? Um, it's the Jane Sinclair Genealogist. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm Jane Sinclair. It's, the mm-hmm. author is M. J. Lee. Nice. Yeah. And I'll put a I'll put the book on the website so it'll be up there with a with a link if you want to try it, it out. To me? Are you gonna loan it to me? Um, well, I are they digital? I did a digital. Oh. I did a I did a Kindle you version. You do that just so that and I can't share it with correct. you. Correct. Sorry. That's okay. But I do I do have a book upcoming for the next podcast that I will share with you. Oh, okay. That's good. All right. All right. Good. Well, I have a trip coming up. I need something to read on the plane. So okay. I'll 
I will download it. How about that? All right. There you go. All right. So, until next next time, time, cheers. Thank you for listening. Please email us with any questions or comments at genealogyhappyhour at gmail.com. Visit our website, www.genealogyhappyhour.com, for additional resources, books, and wines. Don't forget to drink responsibly. And never drink around genealogical documents.